2: Research, learning, and discovery are happening at any given moment around the world because of the Alzheimer's Association. As the force uniting dementia science efforts all around the world, the Alzheimer's Association is investing $300 million in more than 920 projects in 45 countries spanning six continents. Collaboration, research, and discovery won't stop until this disease is stopped. Learn more at alz.org any given moment. Welcome to Savvy Business: Life Unscripted with your host Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential.
1: Hello, Dr. Adam Bendelli. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting: Life Unscripted. Is so grateful. I'm so grateful to have you here this wonderful Saturday afternoon. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing fabulous. And even more so that we're going to touch on a very important topic that I know will help all of our listeners and viewers, which is how to lead in times of transition. Oh my gosh, have we had a major time of and transitions going on in the past year and a half. Uh, and you're also the author of what every leader needs. And also the owner and uh, founder of bandelli and your organization. Um, but before we head on out to just getting into the topic of how to lead in these crazy times, share yeah. your backstory a little bit with our audience.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a business psychologist and leadership advisor by training. Uh, I did my doctoral dissertation down at the University of South Florida, where I really focused on leadership excellence and relationships at work. And so, really understanding how leaders are able to impact and influence their people by the relationships that they build with others. Uh, upon completing my degree, I started it with a global consultancy firm and spent about a decade there focusing on leadership assessments, executive coaching, team development. And then I founded my firm in 2016. And so my firm really focuses on three areas. One, we do a lot around leadership assessments, which is basically Mm. helping companies hire people. We Mm. do a lot around coaching and development. And then we also do a lot around culture change.
1: So in your organization, do you have a lot of uh, fellow psychologists or who do you hire to help you Yeah, so the
2: folks on my team, I have a a small team of eight consultants right now. They are all licensed business or clinical counseling psychologists who have had 20 to 30 years of experience doing our type of work.
1: Hmm. That's phenomenal. Why, Why the focus on leadership? Why did you pick that area of expertise?
2: Yeah, so it's a really funny story, but I grew up, you can see from the wall behind me, Michael Jordan, I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan in the 80s, like a lot of other kids did. And uh, I was always fascinated at what makes great leaders tick, and how do they inspire and motivate the people around them. And I had the benefit and the privilege of working with a really strong mentor, one of my first mentors in my career in my undergraduate. Uh, He was a organizational psychologist by training, and he really brought me into the field, got me excited about consulting, got me excited about the research and the work that went into my book. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that was really the origins of kind of having great mentors, but also having a passion for great leaders and what they look like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's far fetching trying to find good leadership in in the world today. In the past year and a half seeing what's been happening? What do you find is the biggest? Not? what, What do you see is the biggest problem with leadership?
2: I think the biggest challenge today for leaders is that a lot of leaders are missing out on the human connection and the human moments they can have with their people. Because we are all working remotely and we're interacting like this through Zoom, we're missing that face-to-face connection that we have with people. So it's almost a lost art now on how leaders can inspire and motivate folks because Mm -hmm. they're not in the same room with them.
1: Yeah, and that, that's an interesting uh, catch. I, I have a friend who works in a place and she was having some difficulty where she was being overrun with work. More and more, I'm hearing people ever since they started working remote are actually working way more hours yeah, than- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burnout is a
2: big issue, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. It. and. Uh, The the bosses, because they're not there watch you on the clock, seeing you there for 10, 12, 16 hours, they don't know that you're working in these crazy hours and burning (laughs) yourself out. Right, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so what are some of your ideas or suggestions on how leaders can really get connected to their people and begin to see what's lacking, what needs to be done, or how do we get more connected and and, uh, more efficient?
2: Yeah, I think there are three things really that are important, I think one leaders need to set a vision for their people and their teams, and that's even more pressing now in the pandemic, what is the future state that they want their organization to look like, and they really need to get buy in alignment and agreement from the people on their teams, it has to be a collective process it can't be them talking at their people. I think two leaders need to demonstrate really good endurance. We've seen that be a major thing during the pandemic. Great leaders operate with resiliency, tenacity, and stamina to push through times of change and uncertainty. And so I think that's the second piece. And then I think the third piece, which we've really seen related to social justice last year as well, is compassion and having empathy for people who have different backgrounds and experiences that we do, and really being able to show that day in and day out with your people.
1: Yeah, and what are some of your suggestions on how they do that? Because some people are like, well, how do I even implement that?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I think there are two things, I think one, given our remote works kind of style now, are you setting up periodic touch points to connect with each of your people? And Mm -hmm. it's not just about business results or financial outcomes, it's how are they doing personally? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of folks, I think a lot of children have gone back to school now, but for the last year there was homeschooling. A lot of us also had elderly parents or family members we had to take care of. So having consistent check-in points with your team and building a cadence around that, Mm -hmm. I think is really important. And then I think the second thing is you have to celebrate the successes that your people are having to your point earlier, people are working 14, 16 hours a day, bring the team together once a month to talk through and celebrate what they've done, what the accomplishments were. So people feel valued and appreciated for all the hard work they're putting in.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, because uh, there are many companies who've had to either I know one law for my friend works for they didn't want to get rid of anyone. But what they had to do is take a 20% cut from every single person. Mm, um, yeah. But of course, they also had to go out there and keep getting that business because we need to yeah. stay in business. So we all keep our jobs. So That's it's right. like you're working more and then in some cases getting less. But like you said, sometimes it's monetary is not as important as the recognition and That's paying right. attention. And to, as you said, celebrating the successes yeah. and, and say, Hey, great job, Billy, you, you know, you kicked yeah. that project out of the park, and yeah. we won that uh, yeah. campaign or whatever it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a chapter in my book, whatever leader needs on inspiration. And a big part of that chapter is about using words of encouragement, you know, leaders have very powerful things in their words and a lot, not a lot of leaders realize that that one small thank you or one small congratulations or one small pat on the back can really go a long way to helping motivate and engage and inspire your people. And so that's really critical.
1: Yeah, I love that you say that. Now, you mentioned having touch points with your your team. Are do you suggest doing it one on one or as a group or both?
2: Both. You need to do it one-on-one with your people because you have to consistently be sewing into the relationships with people. In my chapter on compassion, I talk about a concept called relational intelligence. And this Mm -hmm. is the ability to successfully connect with people and build long-term sustainable relationships. So leaders have to do that on a one-on-one data point, but they also have to do it with the team. And so bringing the team together once a month and maybe having twice a month touch points individually with all of your direct reports is really helpful.
1: Yeah, I like that. And that's one thing I see missing is the one on one. I know some leaders are also feeling overwhelmed and like, well, how do I also have those individual (laughs) meetings? But I think it doesn't have to be super long, but just knowing that you're connecting with the other person, even if it's for five minutes, where are you at? How are you going? Do you need to tell me anything, you know, anything I need to be aware of that can help you with? Yeah, absolutely. To be successful and everything. Uh, Now, things are moving and transitioning differently and through transition. Um, you lead differently. It's it's different than when things are static and going well. Uh, What have you learned about transition and how leaders kind of have to approach things differently in a time of transition?
2: Yeah, in a time of transition, you really have to focus on three things. I think the the biggest thing is you need to focus on showing up consistently for your people. So are you leading with character, courage, and integrity at all times? Mm -hmm. Are you walking the talk for the people around you? Mm -hmm. Um, I think too, and a lot of leaders miss this, are you learning from your mistakes? A lot of times leaders will go through a challenging or difficult period and they don't stop to pause and think, okay, what did this experience teach me? And Mm -hmm. if they do that, they're able to say, okay, we won't make those mistakes again. And then I think the third piece is leaders have to be even more vigilant today than ever before. So you really have to set clear expectations for your people. You have to get them to be aligned with the direction of where you're going, but then you also have to hold people accountable.
1: Yeah. Oh, now that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, Because accountability not only falls on the leader, but also the people working beneath him, his associates. And, and so how do you suggest they they do that in a good way? Because, you know, screaming and hollering at someone in front of us? That's not going to work. Bad bad idea, bad (laughs) idea.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I talk about it in the chapter where the leader needs around vision mm-hmm. and for a leader to really galvanize and motivate their people, everyone has to buy into what the vision is. Mm-hmm. So a strong leader will set the vision, get alignment, and then from that will come clear expectations that everyone can follow. You should have people that want to do that, but then they know what they're expected to be accountable for. Yeah. So by having the vision as a starting point, you can really build momentum with your team.
1: Yeah, that sounds absolutely great. Now, where can people find out more about your organization, Bandele and Associates and work with you guys? And how does it, what yeah. does it look like if they call you up and work with you? What is the yeah, transition? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So um, as I said, we're a boutique leadership advisory consulting firm. You can go to our website, Um, We really focus on three areas in our firm. The first area is what we do around selection assessments. So companies will come to us and say, hey, we're looking to hire a CHRO or a CEO and they'll send their top, slate of candidates to us. And we'll spend, uh, we give them a personality assessment to kind of get a gauge for how they're wired. And then we'll spend three hours with them with what we call the leadership experiences interview, where mm-hmm. we'll do a deep dive on their childhood and their relationships and their educational experiences and their leadership style. And it's really the person on the other end of the table. Mm-hmm. It feels like a conversation with a best friend. That's kind of the art of what we do, but we're deciding if they're going to be a good cultural fit for the company that they're looking to be selected for. So we'll come back to the organization and say, based on a scorecard that we built for you around key leadership skills this person is a good fit this person is not so that's one area where we do a lot of our work the second area which comes can, I, a, can
1: I stop you real quick yeah uh, absolutely uh, yeah now you said you you dive into their their early childhood wow yeah. I, that's interesting what does the early childhood tell you what kind of leader they are
2: yeah, there are data points. You think about, um, you know, children who are on sports teams or children who are oh. athletes. You hear about stories about captains of football teams or volleyball teams mm-hmm. or basketball teams. Early life experiences shape the way we view the world and the types of leaders we become. And so when we ask for those type of stories. We're not really interested in kind of family history and challenges they may have faced on the home front. I'm more interested in getting a sense of what was your first exposure to leadership? Was it a high school football coach? Mm -hmm. Was it a track and field? What are the people that started to sow into your life at that point that Mm -hmm. has now transitioned into the leader you are today?
1: Got it. That's awesome. Okay, number two.
2: Yeah. So number two is around leadership development and executive coaching. So a company will come to us and say, hey, we have an executive that's either a high potential or they're dealing with some challenges and adversity. And we will usually do six months to a year of coaching with them, where we'll do some upfront stakeholder interviews. We'll talk to their colleagues and their peers and get a sense of how they operate today. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we'll spend time with them. We'll do the two hour interview like we would on the selection side. But then we really get into giving them that feedback and helping them pull together three or four goals that they want to work on over the next six to 12 months. Mm. That becomes their development plan blueprint, and we use that to coach them ongoing. And the coaching sessions, um, I I joke with a lot of my clients and friends, it's like going to therapy or anything. It's like therapy for work people. And so you're able to sit down with an external thought partner where you can talk about ideas, you can get challenging thoughts and feedback, and it's someone that will work with you along the journey that's Mm. not internal to your organization.
1: That's awesome. Um, and
2: then the third piece is around culture change. So mm-hmm. we come in and we help companies get aligned around their vision, but then build the norms and the rules of engagement for how their teams and their cultures will operate. So we believe culture is really about creating positive experiences for your employees. Mm-hmm. It's about aesthetics and how you set up your office and the look and feel of how things are. Mm-hmm. It's about the language and the words that you use to bring the culture to life. And then it's about the energy that you bring every day. So if people focus on those aspects of culture, and then they add in organizational norms or things that are important important for their business, they're really able to succeed.
1: Wow. So I had no idea that aesthetics would even play a part in.
2: Yeah. Well, actually now with with COVID, aesthetics is very critical because how people are setting up their offices and having six feet distance, that's becoming even more important now because Uh we have to keep the distancing going. So yeah, aesthetics has become even more important now in the last year and a half.
1: Wow. Well, this has been a fascinating chat, uh, Dr. Adam Bandelli. I'm so grateful you came today. Again, just let everyone know where they can find out more. Uh, give them your website so they can yeah. go on over there. Yeah.
2: So the book, the book is What Every Leader Needs. Mm-hmm. You can find out more about that at whateverleaderneeds.com. That's one word. And then our website is bandelinassociates.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook as well.
1: Wonderful. I, I'm going to put the book in there. I had your associates in there, Bandele and associates, but I'll add whateveryleaderneeds.com, you said? That's
2: right. Yes. Whateveryleaderneeds.com. Awesome. One word. Yep.
1: Awesome. Well, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much, Dr. Adam Bandelli, for coming to Savvy Broadcasting today.
2: My pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend.
1: You too. Take care. All right.
2: Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.